I'd like to look at our scripture lesson this morning, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you look in your pew Bibles, it would be on page 1. If you have scripture, I invite you to turn to your, your Bibles at this time. We're told now the birth of Jesus took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. We're looking at different ways of understanding joy during this season. We're calling this year's season um, Joy to the World. And this morning, what we are looking at is the person of Joseph. Joseph, I like to think of as the forgotten member of the family. So often we talk about, obviously, Jesus. We also talk about um, Mary as the mother of Jesus. However, Joseph frequently is forgotten. There's a lot of questions as to what happens to Joseph later in his life. Some people think perhaps he died because of the fact that the last time you read about him in the scripture is when Jesus is about 12 years old. And that's a time when he's at the temple and he leaves. It's in Luke's gospel and they wonder where he is and Jesus is back at the, at the temple. But Joseph is a wonderful man who demonstrates a lot of the humanness that all of us go through. He's not the direct father of Jesus, but he is the one who obviously raises Jesus. And I'd like to have us look at it and him this morning. And again, I'd like to look at it in terms of this whole idea of joy. You know Christmas is supposed to be the season of joy. How many of you know that? Do we know that Christmas is supposed to be the season of joy? Did you also know that for many people, they don't find joy at Christmas? Have you ever experienced that? Sometimes it can be because of something going on in our life. Sometimes it can be because we've lost a loved one. Sometimes it can be because we get caught up in the Christmas rush. We just get so busy with doing things that we'll just stop and say, why are we celebrating this at all? And at those points, we're not celebrating it. At that point, all we're doing is just caught up with the rush. Sometimes it's expectations that others have on us. Have you ever had expectations from somebody else on you? Or have expectations on yourself? We do that to ourselves. We get ourselves all worked up in things. I like to think back to the year that we just had to buy the perfect gift for our son David. We worked so hard to get it until, of course, just a couple years later, it sold for nothing in a rummage sale because we had been so preoccupied, me in particular, but it really was personal expectations as if somehow a particular gift was going to be something that was going to make that season appropriate. 
Sometimes it's our feelings of inadequacy. We see what other people do at the holidays and we compare ourselves and say, why can't we do that? Or why do they have more? Or why do their children get stuff that we can't afford in our family? And what I'd like to suggest at that point, it's all about the voice we listen to. With every single one of those and all the things that, we, that happen in our lives that mess us up, it's what we're listening to. It's what we're giving voice to. It's what we're paying attention to. And so as I think about the story of Joseph, I also am trying during the holiday season this year to look at some of the Christmas movies and see how they sometimes can be things that we sort of just laugh at, but we miss the whole point of the movies. And I'd like to point us to them also because they make much of the same point. If you stop and don't just laugh at home alone, but look at some of the, the messages in it, it's amazing what you'll say. Well, the same thing is true with a movie that is many people's favorite, the movie Elf. Now, with a show of hands, how many of us have seen Elf? Do we like it? Okay, well, it's interesting. I was working on the message this week, and I was talking to somebody, and I was going to use a different movie, and they suggested Elf. I said, oh, do you like Elf? And the person said, no, I don't like Elf, but I think it makes the point of what you're talking about. Well, in Elf, there is the father, and his name is Walter Hobbs. He listened to everyone else and made a lot of bad choices in his life. Just go back and watch it and just look at the dad. He listens to his boss, who insists that he has to have a deadline of December 24th, of course, Christmas Eve, to come out with a new book. So rather than valuing his family and spending time with his family, he's all preoccupied on doing something to please a boss. And as you watch the entire movie and you look at him from that perspective, you see here's a guy who is constantly trying to please others and do things that other people have or he thinks other people have expectations on him and he's missing the most important thing in his own life, which is his wife and his kids. And we'll talk about that as we look at the text this morning. But what I would suggest, and what I would suggest comes out of the scriptures, is then one of the reasons that we don't have joy in our lives is because of what others say or what we think others are saying. So I suggest we realize we should not let others steal our joy. It's easy to do but it's something we need to guard against. We're told in verse 13 of our text, now the birth of Jesus took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. It's fascinating this word that's used here. It says Mary was found to be with child. To be with child is actually one Greek word, and the word is gaster. Now, I, maybe I'd known that before, but as I looked at the text this week, I thought, wait a second, gaster, that reminded me of something, and of course it reminded me of a gastrologist, which is a stomach doctor, and I went back and I looked, and yes, in fact, the word gastrologist comes from the word gaster, which is a word that's used to describe Mary being with child, which literally, the way the text reads, it says, Mary was stomachy. Get it, moms, dads? She was showing. All of a sudden, this young woman who was engaged to this guy, 
And again, it was a very different scenario than we have today. By the time an engagement took place in the first century, it was as binding and legally binding as a marriage is today. The two of them had sworn fidelity to each other, and when they come together is literally that marriage ceremony that we read about elsewhere in the Gospels, where a woman is, is processing down, goes to her her new home, and then the bridegroom enters, and the two of them start their home together. And that's when the marriage takes place, much different than how we do a ceremony in our churches today. But at this point, Mary and Joseph were living separately. Joseph was with his family. Mary was with her family. And all of a sudden, she had a pudgy tummy, and people started gossiping. Imagine that. First century young woman. And people start talking about her. So you can imagine what happens to Joseph at this point. Joseph went from being the proud fiancé, look at my lovely bride-to-be, to the recipient of hearing this gossip that's taking place. And you can imagine how that gossip got into his head and those rumors that he started listening to. Have you ever done that? Have you ever heard what other people start to say and have it change your reality on life? It's a very easy thing to happen, and it's very destructive in our lives when we allow other people to start creating our reality. And I believe that part of what the gospel story here does is warns us about the danger of that. I stand here often on wedding days with a Husband, or a bride and a groom, the groom is on my left, the bride is on my right, and they're all nervous, and the church is decked out just beautiful, and everybody's all excited, and I stop and I say, okay, turn around and look at everybody here and wave, and they'll wave to the congregation, and I'll smile, and they'll smile, and I say, make it just a candid moment, I mean, get this image in your mind, because the rest of life is not going to be like today, everybody's not going to dress up to come see you as a couple, and, and all the food and everything's not going to be prepared, is that true, couples? Like, all life is not like that, the wedding day, everything is well prepared, and then I talk to each of the couples, and I always try to tell them the same thing. I look at the guy, and I have him look at the woman, and I say to him, remember, you are not just pledging yourself to this person in marriage. You are promising to not let everybody else talk about that person and get into your head so that you view her differently according to what others say. And then I say the same to her. I say, remember, you're... As you're being asked to be faithful to this man and to block out all those negative things, those times when somebody else says, I can't believe your husband did this. Or you know what people are saying about her. That's what happened to Mary and Joseph in the first century. Rather than Joseph hearing the reality and the truth, all of a sudden he starts hearing what other people say, and we need to be careful and don't let others steal our joy. Because when we start doing that, when we start listening to others, we're not living the way God asks us to live. Another thing that we learn from Joseph in our narrative is don't let our own thoughts steal our joy. It's not just that other people can get in your head and my head. Our own thoughts can mess us up. Now, I'm sure you are different than me, and I'm sure none of you have ever had this happen. But I can get in my own head and start thinking things that can take a beautiful, wonderful day and completely destroy it. Ever had that experience? Where things are really going well and everything's okay. 
And all of a sudden, we start ruminating and getting our minds caught up on something. So verse 19 tells us, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Hear what happened? It begins with Joseph hearing things and others saying something, and maybe he makes his own observation, and now Joseph is in his The word that's used here is bulome, which is the word resolve. It means a thoughtful decision. Joseph makes a thoughtful decision. He thought and he thought and he thought. And he tried to figure it out. Joseph thought about what everyone had told him. And now he went to his own thinking and started thinking, You know, I really do have a problem with this woman. There is something wrong with our engagement. And he's not basing it on reality or the truth. He's basing it on his own thinking. Again, I go back to the movie Elf. It's fascinating. There's one moment in in the movie where the dad is there now with his son, who, of course, is the elf buddy. And he says directly to him, Buddy, what do you want from me? Money? Now, if you think about it, That's completely concocted in his own mind because Buddy turns back and says, no, I wanted to meet you. The young man wants to meet his father. The father conjectures in his own mind all sorts of things. Figures out this guy must be out for something. No reality to it. Buddy the the elf is just like every other normal elf that lives on the North Pole. We've seen all the rest of them, haven't we? But the point is, he's figured it out in his own mind, and his conclusions are 100% incorrect. We all do this in our own minds. We all do it in our own minds. I'm a pastor. I've heard far too many times in which people have come to me with these major problems. Pastor Stan, I just do not get it. I go, well, what happened? Well, I sent a text to somebody, and they didn't get back to me. Why is that a problem? Well, I know they read the text, See, there's a little thing called read receipts on text, and so if the person has those read receipts on, you can tell the person's read, or they've seen the little bubbles coming up, and so they know the other person. So then they concoct all kinds of stuff in their mind. Another one I love to hear is, look at the tone of this text that was sent to me. The tone of the text? Texts don't have tones. But because of the digital world we live into, it puts people in their own heads. And we start thinking things that just are not reality and making all kinds of conclusions. I remember one time where I did it myself, and I said to somebody, was something wrong? And they said, no, I just forgot my phone. So all day long, I'd been waiting for an answer. All the while, they didn't even have their phone to get back to me. Yesterday, it was interesting. I started getting all into my head. as, Of course, I had my sermon all written and had to add this. I went to Regina, and I was like, Regina, do you know where my phone is? She goes, no, I haven't seen it. I said, it's got to be around here. You must have moved it. No, honey, I didn't move it. Is it at the church? I went to the church. It wasn't at the church. So then what I did is I said, you know what I need to do? It's your phone, because we have find a phone. And so I hit the little app, and it did the little you know, noise. It plays this little thing so I could hear it. I go, I hear it, but I couldn't find it. And so I go in the other room. I go, it's in here. I can hear it in here. And Regina is in the other room all the while, and I go, I walked out, and I go, no, it sounds like it's in this room. Regina comes out, and she goes, it's in your back pocket. (laughs) 
our minds take us to all kinds of crazy places, just like with Joseph, if we let our minds dictate rather than the truth. We conjecture all kinds of stuff. We start believing all sorts of things, and we wonder where the joy of the season or the joy of our life goes to. This scripture teaches us to trust in God as Lord and Savior, to believe in Jesus, to know that God has a purpose and a plan for our life, to let things go, and to realize that things are never as crazy as we get them in our own minds. And that's why we need to learn to be more like Joseph eventually becomes and learn to calm down and wait for the angel. Just calm ourselves down at those times when we get ourselves all worked up. Verse 20 tells us, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now there's a new verb that the Greek text uses. It's a verb that means to consider or to meditate. To meditate. Joseph went from anxious thinking to meditating. In other words, he had a moment of clarity where his mind had gotten him all convinced that he had to end this, this engagement. He had to break off from this woman. He had to go on with the rest of his life. And finally, he calmed himself down and he meditated and he thought, I know to many people, meditate is a scary word. Because we look at it and we say, how do we meditate? Well, you can meditate by going out and taking a walk. You can do it by exercising. Some people find that when they get themselves all anxious and upset, turn on Christian music. Because your mind off of the stuff that's bothering us, it becomes so much a preoccupation in our mind that we're going to make a bad decision the way Joseph would have. Imagine that. In his mind, he had decided, gee, maybe I don't want to be the father to the most important person who's ever lived in this world. That certainly would not have been a great decision. The baby Jesus would still have been born and we still would have a savior, but Joseph would not have had the privilege of being the one who names him, who becomes the man who gets to be influential in Jesus' life. Learn to pause. Learn to turn off the thoughts. How Joseph did it is the Bible tells us that Joseph goes to sleep, and when he's asleep, an angel comes to him in his dreams. I love that. Do you know I like it? Because we all have the same experience. Joseph doesn't have anything happen in this story that doesn't happen to you and me. It doesn't say that a fluffy angel came down from the sky and stood before him and said, Joseph, you've made a mistake. Rather, he goes to sleep one night, and while he's sleeping, in his dream, he wakes up and is like, wow, I've been wrong all along. Just pausing and letting things go and giving room for God, for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, and waiting for the angel. Sometimes the angel, the one who gives us clarity, can be some divine voice that comes to us. It might be something in a dream. It might be a person. A number of years ago, my, when my parents were still alive, my mom and dad were about 70 years old, and they were driving from Bismarck, North Dakota, to the little town of Mott, where they lived at the time, and my dad was a pastor. They'd been out visiting us, 
and they got in at about 11 o'clock at night, and so now they're driving through the cold country roads of North Dakota in the middle of the winter at night, and they hit a patch of ice, and the car went right off into the, off the road. At which point, any sane North Dakotan knows you do not panic. Because you've got a whole bunch of bad choices at this point. It was about 10 degrees below zero, and you have a 70-year-old couple out in the middle of nowhere. And if you turn your car on and just leave it running to stay warm, the carbon monoxide would come into the car, and what you can do is you can die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Or if you get really upset and you want to get out and you want to go for a walk, that's not a good choice either because you can freeze to death. My mom and dad stopped and they prayed. They said, let's just stay calm. They got any blankets that they had and they wrapped them around themselves and they just waited. And lo and behold, an ambulance went by and they flashed their lights out out of the bank and the ambulance stopped and got them out and they got home. And they always said to me, you know what's amazing? Had we panicked, we could have died. We needed to just calm down. That's what Joseph does. Joseph has got people rumoring things about Mary. He's got his own thoughts of telling him, you need to end this. And finally, he just calms down and waits for the angel. Folks, if you want joy this Christmas season, calm down, slow down, and wait for that rational person to talk to you, or that person who can give you comfort or assurance, or maybe it's through reading the scripture and and pausing and taking time for your devotions and saying, God, I'm facing something difficult. How can I get through this? But then don't miss the last thing that Joseph does. Realizing that God has done something amazing and done a miracle in their lives, and rather than all the negative thoughts that he's gone through or all the negative things that everybody else has has told him about, now what he does is he does what any good Christian should do. He proclaims it. He tells others about God's faithfulness in their lives. How do we know? Because in verse 25, who's the one who names the child? Joseph. And he called his name Joseph. Jesus. I love that verse. Joseph named the baby. At that moment, he's the one who claims that I don't care what happened. I don't care what anybody else says. I believe Mary. I believe the angel. I believe that this is something miraculous. I believe this is good. And not only that, I'm naming the child, and I'm naming the child by a special name. I'm naming him Jesus. Joshua from the Old Testament. Joshua was the savior of the Israelite people. When Moses gets them to the Jordan River and is not allowed to take them through, and Joshua is the one who takes them through and and conquers the land, and a great patriarch from the Old Testament. No, Joseph says, I'm not going to let other people dictate or destroy my joy. I'm not going to listen to what other people say. I'm going to proclaim God and God's truth and God's reality and what the Holy Spirit is doing and what God's doing in my life. You want to find joy in the season? Testify to the good things that God's doing in your life. When others are complaining or grumbling or saying something bad, say something good. Say, I like this season. Here's something good that's happening. Tell people about what God's doing in your life. Tell people about things that are positive. Hey, did I tell you? I'm a grandfather. (laughs) Why do I like to talk about it? It's good. It's amazing. I waited 60 years. I finally have somebody who's a girl who's younger than me. (laughs) 
Having raised two boys, it's a thrilling, positive thing. The other day, I was having a stressful day, and I called my son Todd on the phone, and he said, Dad, you need to go hold Ruby for a while. (laughs) Proclaim and testify the good things. Do you want less stress and more joy? Witness to the real meaning of Christmas. Rather than sitting around and saying, you know, the holidays are awful. You know, it's really stressful. I've all these expectations put on me. Try reversing it and try saying the truth. Try just speaking the truth. So I go one last time back to the movie Elf. Do any of you know what the code of the elves are? I wrote them down. Treat every day like Christmas. I like the second one. There's room for everyone on the nice list. But you know what's most important in our message? The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That's a Christian message. Testify to your faith. Tell others you go to church. Tell others the ways in which you're slowing down this season. Testify not to the stress and the hurry and the worry and the expectations and the stuff that gets in your head, but speak about the true meaning of Christmas and say, you know what I love about this season? It's a time I get to celebrate my Savior's birth. When we learn to speak the truth, it changes who we are. The Christmas season is a season of joy when we get ourselves back to looking at the biblical stories and realize why we have this season after all. It gets messed up when we let others get in our heads or we get in our heads ourselves and we get all wrapped up in all of that anxiety and we go and we impulsively act on it. But when we learn to calm down, to meditate, to realize that a lot of those thoughts that we have are not true after all and to start listening for the voice that's true, the voice of the angels in our lives who proclaim to us things that we need to hear. Perhaps it's going and asking advice for someone and saying, hey, I'm stuck How do I get through this? I know that I always give the same advice when somebody comes to me and tells me about the tone of the text. I always tell them the same thing. There is no tone to text. Let it go and wait to find out if there's really a problem here. When we learn to do that and speak the truth of why we have this season, it is amazing how that joy comes back into our lives. Amen. time in our service, we just take a moment, just a moment to be still. So we welcome each of you just to settle in for a moment, maybe close your eyes and breathe. The message today was that ability for us to still ourselves, to be calm, so that we can hear the voice of God. So we welcome each and every one of you just to take that moment now. Just breathe.
to listen and to hear his voice. What it is or what Christ is calling out or saying to you. Just breathe for a moment. And as we are sitting here being still and as we are allowing the message to wash over each and every one of us, we just welcome the Holy Spirit to move within us, to stir our soul, to love us gracefully and peacefully right where we are at this moment. And with the stillness, with our humble hearts, as we graciously come before our Heavenly Father, I just offer up this prayer for each and every one of those who are under the sound of this voice. Dear God, just thank you for this day. Thank you for the gloriness of it. Thank you for waking each and every one of us and whispering in our ears, Arise, my child, there is work to be done in the kingdom. For this opportunity to come before you and to praise to be still and to hear the message. We are your children and we are happy and grateful to be of service unto you. To take these words and this truth and let it resonate from us, being the light for others to see, the light for us to pass on, whether it be at the grocery store or within our very homes with the loved ones that are around us. Let our light that flows and comes from you, Heavenly Father, just reflect out to each and every person so that your glory can be seen about and your glorious works and deeds can stretch forth. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.